Hey everyone, it's Sonia here with Fresh Approach Fitness, a wellness company. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode number 96. And for those that are listening, we are doing another heart to heart today. So what that means is we have a guest speaker. We have Anna with us today. I'm gonna let her do her own introduction in a minute. But heart to hearts means they're going to be available on YouTube. So you can catch both of our faces smiling right at you as if we're having this conversation, all of us together. Um, so buckle in, grab your coffee cup, grab your water, whatever it might be, settle down for the ride whenever you're listening to this. Today is all about changing your story, changing the narrative. I see Anna just nodding her head. We were talking about this off camera just a second ago. And, you know, I like to be pretty impromptu, but I was going to do my own show on this. So what better than to hop into a conversation with both of us and see what you can learn. So before we go too far, I'm going to add Anna's contact information in her bio to this episode. I'm going to add my link tree. We're going to go back and forth with different resources for you. But definitely, thank you so much for joining us. Anna, nice to see you here. Nice to see you as well, Sonia. Thank you for having me on your podcast. My pleasure. The guests are going to love you just as much as I do. So can you tell us a little bit about, give us an intro, a bio. Sure. So I'm in the health and wellness industry. I'm here to inspire and to educate, and I want to empower people. So I'm coming from my own personal journey of feeling completely victimized, you know, not manifesting anything I wanted in life, hating myself day to day to now the complete opposite where I feel very confident. I can get here and speak on camera. No problem whatsoever. I can speak in public. I can manifest. I can create a life I desire. And I'm just loving every moment of my life more than I ever have before. So I feel as though I've done a complete 180. And I think I've learned a few things along the way that might be able to help your audience improve some areas in their lives as well. I am already curious and captivated by what you've had to say. So <laughs> can we go a little deeper? What are you comfortable talking about the beginning? Yeah. Well, how beginning beginning? <laughs> <laughs> well, what brought you to this place of, okay. So knowing the premise of the conversation about changing your story, we all have a story to, to tell. We all have a story in us. And most of us keep that buried so deep that we don't talk about it. We don't resolve it. And, and I, because we're on the heart to heart, I'm going to take a, a minute in here and do a bit of a selfish plug. But behind you is my book, Your Story Matters. And it's perfectly fitting. I have it here in my hands. It is on Amazon. It's available. It doesn't matter which country you're listening to this in. But it is a workbook, so you really can't see without me popping it open, but you know, the first example here about passive aggressive, how I got back at my partner by not doing the dishes after they complained about the house being dirty. So passive aggressive, for instance, is one little section, and it just so happens I flipped it over to passive aggressive, but Anna is nodding her head, I'm nodding my head, because there are moments in our life where we've we take our victim soul and the best way to respond out of that is by being passive aggressive. And 
we're not doing ourselves any favors by being in that space. So there are tools and Anna's going to share a bunch and I've got a bunch, but there are so many different tools that are going to help you bridge the gap from where you were or where you are now to the other side. Mm-hmm. And first we're going to start with Anna's story. I love the look on your eyes, Anna. It's like you, it's yeah, like you get yeah. it. It's like, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. I've withheld my love. I've been, I've been to all of the different, different control dramas and trauma states and you name it, I've been there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the first step for anybody is actually believing something can change, believing that you can have something different. Because I remember the, the talk in my head used to be so negative about everything, about the way I looked, about that I had no friends, that nobody liked me, like going back to when, you know, childhood about all kinds of things, you know, my siblings are loved more than, than, than I am. Like you name it. It was almost always something negative going on in my brain. And it came to the point where I just sort of concluded like, this is as good as life is going to get. And that's when I realized nothing's ever going to change if I accept this as my reality. So the first step is always just knowing that oh, you mean I can have a good life? You mean I can be happy? You mean I can actually love myself? Like it's possible? Once that little window of hope is is there, then that's when we're even ready to step through it. Because for some of us, we don't even see the, the, the light shining through the window. We think all the blinds are down and we're all alone in this world and, and life is miserable. And it's so easy to get caught up in this story that we create of ourselves and who we are in this world and what we're allowed to have and what, what we can enjoy. Some of us can't even enjoy anything because the person next to us has less than us. So there's so many different angles to this, right, Sonia? Uh, Yes. Yes. And, and the levels are kind of like an onion, right? Where you're Mm. peeling back one layer, but you're discovering something else on that next layer. So you're constantly peeling back those layers of onions and, Yes, you should be. Once you start this journey, there's no end in sight. It's true. And, and I love your <laughs> analogy of the onion because I say that all the time as well. It's, it's, in my experience, I think, I, correct me if you have a different experience, but I feel like there's a few core pieces that I've been working on. And it's like, I feel like I've come around and I'm like, yes, I got it. And then all of a sudden life will present a lesson to me. And it's like, Ooh, I didn't get it to the level I thought I should have had it by now. And then it's like, okay, I have more work to do more work to do. But for me, it seems that it's often like the similar theme for me of, of the lesson. And I've had conversation with some of my friends who say the same things. They're, they're kind of struggling with different lessons, but again, it's layers, deeper layers of a similar theme. So it's an interesting point. And um, we will continue to get that lesson at different degrees, but over and over and over again. So for those that are listening to this, or if you're catching the YouTube, how many times have you experienced something similar in your life? And you just like, I haven't learned that lesson. Like you've been maybe fired from fired or let go or job closers, or you maybe haven't had the best girlfriends or maybe your boyfriends have been like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You could write a book about your dating experience or your marriage experience. Like you just feel like it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're not progressing in an area. You're just on repeat like groundhog day. 
yes, that is definitely the case. It's not in your head. You don't need a psychological assessment. You are meant to learn this lesson. And if you don't learn it, you will get it again and again and again, but it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's huge. And one of the things you had talked about before is the stories in your head. You didn't think any of this was possible. Was it your negative self-talk or were these other people's stories of what they told you? I think it's a combination of both. I think everything starts in childhood, right? It's like, what do we hear? We're like open sponges up until the age of seven. We have no filters. Everything just gets downloaded into us. So what's the environment around us? Our parents, our caregivers, our siblings, our teachers, the media, whatever we're exposed to gets in there on a subconscious level. And then definitely once we start accepting something, once we hear it so many times, it becomes truth. And then we start just grab, we grab onto it and make that our new reality. And it's so easy to just repetition, repetition. Cause a lot of the times we don't even think we think we're thinking, but we're not thinking we're just playing a record over and over and over and yes. over in our heads. Yes. So it's starting to pay attention to what is on that record. Mm-hmm. When I started to actually pay attention to my thoughts, I was, I was a little shocked at how mean I am to myself. I was saddened. I was very sad by that sobering experience. Like, wow, I wouldn't talk to my child like that. I wouldn't talk to a friend like that. Why am I speaking to myself like that? And that is a huge eye opener. Mm -hmm. So many of us start with those negative conversations and guys, it can be simple. And I'm going to share a couple and we'll get Anna to share a couple, but it could be like, what do you say in the mirror when you're naked and getting ready? Like, do you even look at the mirror? I know so many people will avoid the mirror or when I'm teaching at a gym and there's mirrors everywhere. Yeah. How many people avoid looking at the mirror? Cause they don't even like what they look like at all. But yet let's take that to the next step. They expect their partners to love them. They expect their parents to love them. They expect their children to love them, but especially their partners, like their spouse, They want that person to be in love with every little part of them, but they don't love anything about themselves. Mm. But we've got that expectation on somebody else. And that's the seeking validation from outside of ourselves, right? And that was my struggle too, is I was always like, I wanted the perfect relationship and I tried relationship after relationship and it it was, I was that typical person of, well, I didn't learn from the first mistake. So I'm just going to get the same situation in a different face and body, but it was the same, you know, the same stories were coming up within me. And I love how you said that because it's very, very true. I just lost my train of thought completely right now. <laughs> so I don't know what I was That's okay. Say, we'll get there. It's relevant we'll for a minute. <laughs> for a minute. We'll get there. Uh, but, but that's the thing. So the stories that we're telling ourselves, the, the looks, the compliments, the whatever it might be that we're, we're holding ourselves back, it likely did not stem from one thought we had. It stemmed from the teacher in school calling on us when we were nervous and anxious and we didn't know the answer. Not just that we weren't smart enough, but it made us so uncomfortable. Or maybe we didn't know the answer and now we're not smart enough. Or maybe we weren't getting the straight A's. And it's not necessarily them thinking that you're not smart enough. It's society thinking that you're not smart enough. They're delivering the message because you didn't meet a certain standard. 
And now you go through school thinking, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm not a good student. And you take that into life with you about anything. You start a project or you get a job and you're like, mm, somebody's going to be smarter than me. Somebody's going to know that I'm dumb. Like, it's like we put on a mask to try and hide that belief. Like, okay, I'm not really dumb. So I got to try and show the world I'm smart, but I feel dumb inside. It's like, it's like because covering up that, that you feel like you're not good enough, but you're trying. And it's so true right? You're trying, you're trying to push past a barrier that is more like an invincible wall. Not only it is invincible, you can't penetrate through it, but it is invisible. You can't see it. You don't even know it's there until you start doing the work. I just got goosebumps. It reminds me of a story that I learned that was so profound to me about how they train elephants. You know how elephants- Go ahead. Yeah. I don't, so, I've seen water for elephants, but I don't remember how they're trained. Okay. So when they, they bring elephants into a zoo or somewhere where they're going, you know, telling them what to do kind of thing. I don't, I don't agree with it, but this is how they train elephants is they take a baby elephant and they, they tie, uh, you know, something around its leg and they put it on a very strong chain and they cement it in the ground. And like, this thing's indestructible. And this baby elephant is pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and, pulling and it can't go anywhere. It's just rubbing its leg against this chain and it hurts. So eventually it stops pulling. At that point, they know the elephant is trained. They remove that really heavy uh, chain and the concrete that it's like into the ground. And they basically just put like a little peg in the dirt with a string on it. Very, very weak. The adult elephant can now completely like, just keep walking and pull on it. But in its mind, it's already given up. In its mind, it's created a story of, I can't break this chain no matter how hard I try. So it stops trying. And many of us do that in life. We create this invisible ceiling, this barrier that, oh, well, I'm not smart or I can't do what she's doing or I can't ever find love or whatever the story is for, for, for all of us have a story, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's our glass ceiling. It's what we contain ourselves in this little box of this is who I am. And we don't even know that we can break that chain because we've already decided we can't. And that's the thing. We have decided we can't, we can't penetrate that chain but we can't break it. We can't do anything. We're stuck there. But is that our story? Is that our truth? It's not our truth. It's not our story. It's what other people have told us. So we believe it. And like Anna had said, we start this at a very, very young age. We don't even realize at all. Our parents, our school system, our society, they didn't realize either. It's not on them. They did what was best for them at the time. Our ancestors did what was best for them at the time and taught their children the rights of the world and the ways. And, you know, eons and eons ago, I guess back in the 1960s, BMI was used as a way for insurance purposes to see if you were healthy enough to qualify for life insurance. Did you know that? Hmm. Okay, so BMI was also identified on a dead male's body who'd been dead for a couple of days. And before they got rid of the body, they decided to figure out BMI so they would have a universal test. Man, dead, water weight, gone. Hmm. Interesting. It doesn't take into account if a woman is pregnant. It doesn't take into account muscle mass versus health. 
and fat. It is just simply height and weight. That's it. But it was used as a metric, and it still is in some, some areas in North America, but is used as a metric to see whether or not you qualify for life insurance, if you're healthy enough. It is still used to this day as a metric. So those people in their 50s and 60s and 70s when they were worried about BMI and BMI and what it looked like, that's how it originated. Most people don't even know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So where's the backup plan to that? And I'm not saying we need to go into life with a backup plan, but if you're so hyper-focused on numbers and doing things right, and you find out your BMI isn't aligned to perfection or to normal, which is what everybody's trying to get to, um, it's not an alignment. Then you get it into your head that once again, you're not good enough. That once again, you don't fit into this little box. So I'm going to share a story. And for those that are catching the, the YouTube here, you can see right above my head, I'm just showing Anna. There's one of my race vision boards, if you would. Um, I put my race bibs. Um, I don't have my medals in here, but I have a couple of race boards, kind of like vision boards. It looks like a vision board, but it's got my race bibs, my numbers and pictures. And it was over 12 years ago. I wasn't, I was in my late thirties. I did not like my reflection in the mirror, which is my, my signature program is called 21 days to a smiling reflection. I was over 200 pounds. I was not happy. I was working at a job I didn't like. I was in a marriage that wasn't working. The only thing I was looking forward to was coming home every day and being with my kids. But after the end of nine to 10 hours, you commute, you do your job, you come home, you commute. I wasn't giving them my best. I wasn't smiling at all. So I lost a lot of weight. I started walking, I started running, I started doing events. I lost the 65 pounds. I gained confidence. I gained success. I got medals, something I'd never even thought I could do. I was getting medals in, but here's the thing. You put me back on the scale at five foot four, 156 pounds. Now, when I say I won medals, these weren't the participation medals. These were the second or third. I never won first. I never, ever won first. There was a girl, Brandy, who always won first. She just had really long legs. <laughs> she always beat me. And, and she was, she's a mail carrier by day. So she's used to carrying the weight. She's tiny and tall. Totally opposite profile than me. Um, I'm not surprised she deserves to beat me. I'm not saying she beat me every time, but she beat me every time. So I would get second or third for a 10-year age gap. Kudos. Super stoked. Super excited. I didn't even recognize myself in the pictures when we were taking photos of, I'm like, well, I knew I was at the event and like, that's you. I had gone from a 16 to a size six. Wow. Okay. Impressive. Right. And the journey didn't, it wasn't overnight. It was probably about a year and a bit by the time I, I landed there and stayed there. Um, no life in itself between my ankles and this and that, but that's not the point I want to get to. The point I want to get to is I hopped on the scale after being down, I'm, I'm an athlete now, I'm a triathlete, I'm getting medals, I'm on the scale at 156 pounds. And guess what the scale tells me? I'm obese. Mm, muscle weighs more than fat. It does. But let's, let's break that down for the 
audience that's listening that always says that. I know you and I know the difference, but I'm going to break that down in an analogy that's a little bit different than that. A pound weighs a pound, right? So if you have a pound of muscle and a pound of fat on the scale, they both weigh a pound. Let's just pretend that it's a pound of popcorn versus a pound of steak. That's a whole heck of a lot of popcorn and a whole little bit of steak for a pound. Right? So that popcorn on your body is going to look so much different than lean, tight steak. I like that analogy. Thank you. Just because most people, I just like to break it down so they really get their head wrapped around it. But I got in my head that I was still obese or overweight, whichever. I think it was probably overweight. I was in the overweight category. It didn't matter all the work I did. I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough to fit into that little box. I wasn't good enough still. No matter what I had accomplished, that one set of numbers changed my story. Mm. With all that hard work and all of that lifestyle change, it still wasn't good enough. And I'm not saying I couldn't have gone further. I'm saying knowing that that wasn't good enough stopped me. It's powerful. Guys, other people's opinions, feedbacks, the stories that they tell, if it doesn't serve you, let it go. How did that serve me, knowing that number, being on the scale, knowing where I fell? It didn't. It did not serve me at all. It actually got into my head a lot more than it should have. Right? And All of that confidence. That you let that stop you from getting further results? Of course I did. Of yeah. course I did. Who wouldn't? I'm not saying I didn't run, um, but it looked different. Now, I got, I, since then I had a divorce. Since then um, I moved to St. Thomas since then, since then, since then. And my, um, the icing on the cake is four years ago, I did too much. I was getting back into it. And I did, um, from Father's Day to Thanksgiving here in Canada, I did, so just that those that are listening in a different country, um, that's pretty much six months from June to October, right? I did two tens, two fives, a 60K bike ride in a triathlon in that time, that, that time frame. Oh, that's incredible. And I taught classes. So yes, I let it bother me for the longest time, but I got my groove back on. But now I'm still working on an ankle recovery from four years ago. <laughs> so I now have to, my physical activity has to look different. Mm -hmm. But my mindset is in a different spot than it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I now know that this is somebody else's story. This is their set of numbers and this doesn't change how fit or healthy I am. Mm -hmm. You know, different, there's going to be different ebbs and flows in that. But if the story doesn't serve you, why do you accept it? If you know better. So what would you say to that, Anna? I would say that's a great example you shared, Sonia. And I would even add a little tidbit of thought for you the, with the ankle recovery. We've been told that things take a long time to heal. We've been told that age makes it harder to heal the body. We've been told all kinds of things that we don't necessarily have to buy into because there are living examples of people who have healed very quickly, who are older in years, but younger in appearance or physical activity level or 
all kinds of different things who just don't buy into the beliefs that are either societal or individual. And a lot of the beliefs are societal, you know, like whatever, whatever we have about our body image, you know, like in the, in the, I think the Marilyn Monroe days, whatever fifties or sixties that was, you know, it was, it was about the curves, you know, the, the, the curves and the hips. And then all of a sudden it became in the later 60s, 70s, it was the skinny, 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 you know, almost like a young teenage boy body was, was popular. And so a lot of our beliefs are stemming from what media and society is telling us we should try to strive for this body type or no, that's one's out of fashion. Now we need to look like this. And, and it's, it's almost silly when you think about it, you're laughing because it's, it's retarded, but it's so, it affects us so much that need to want to belong, that need to want to fit in, that need to want to be accepted and loved. And we think it comes from fulfilling someone else's expectations of what is right or what is wrong when it really always, always comes back to ourselves. Like you said earlier, we just need to love ourselves, not try to find love outside and that's, I think the, the, the humanity is, is going back to finding that out now, especially in the recent times. I saw a beautiful meme about if you can't go out, go within. You know how we had those lockdowns? Nobody could go out anywhere. They're like, perfect, go within. Now's the time to get to know yourself. You know what? Two things on that. The yeah. lockdown, I did a book. Um, I did a chapter. Okay, so let's talk about the lockdown. It's not about me boasting, but I'm going to share where opportunity knocks, how you can go with it and what happens. So prior to COVID, I had a fitness studio. I was teaching mm-hmm. 23 classes a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shut down. Mm-hmm. I was, so, and this is a good example of change your story or asking yourself what else is true. For the longest time, I was upset that I, not only did I have to close the door to my dreams, because our landlord still wanted rent at this time. This was before the government interfered and, um, and it, we were coming up on our one year at this place. And it was kind of like, well, we don't know what's going on. We don't have the resources to indefinitely pay for something if we don't know what's going on, right? Without a plan. So 23 fitness classes, $5,000 a month I was bringing in the door. And um, everything shut down. I was giving refunds to people that hurt, that really hurt. I was training and being with people three to five times a week for years. And some of them I never heard from again, right? So you've got emotion, you've got compassion. And some of them, I. so here's the thing, I changed my story. So maybe only five people asked for their money back. The other 95 didn't. So I could sit here for the rest of the conversation and say, oh, I had to pay people back. Oh, this sucked. You know what? 95% of the people did not ask for a refund. Mm -hmm. Those are the, that's just a simple way of flipping the script. So, okay. Doors are done. Studio's done. Dream closed. Had to sell my weights. I was in tears. Okay. Now what? Pause, pivot, and proceed. That's the name of the second chapter book I wrote throughout COVID. So that's actually my chapter, Pause, Pivot, and Proceed. The first book was um, I did was called Thriving, Not Just Surviving. Uh-huh. Good one. Then Pause, Pivot, and Proceed, which is the blessings of COVID. Yeah. And then the third one, why am I gapping on what I called it? Um, it doesn't matter. My point is I wrote three chapters in three different books. I became an international best-selling author. 
I did podcasts, I flipped my script. I didn't let this get me down whatsoever. I would not have been given these gifts and worked hard every single day of finally figuring out what I'm going to be when I grow up to throw it all away. It just needs to look different. Yes. Right? Yes. So, yeah, my other title now, I'm curious. I'm going to get it while, uh, while we're talking. I'm going to move and just show you. <laughs> do it, so, do it. You know what? It's just, and these were just little books, and I have a bunch, but um, this one is 20. Yes, it's my bookshelf for those that are looking. This is the second book. So this is the um, Pause, Pivot, Proceed. And Anna, you didn't even know all this, did you? No, I love learning more about you. This is my first book, Thriving, Not Just Surviving. This is how network marketing plays a role, um, especially in terms of active um, versus passive and residual income. And then this one, 20 Powerful Women of Network Marketing. Um, So this is the one I don't remember. Oh, Busy But Balanced. How fitting is that one? Mm -hmm. That's good. The name of my chapter is Busy But Balanced on this one. Um, So, But one of the things, you know, we can sit here and say, life sucked or this or that what are you going to do about it maybe you've had a divorce maybe you've gained weight maybe you got let go from a job maybe your role if you're continuously working at places that either let you go or that are downsized or whatever maybe that is your role maybe you need to think of things a little bit differently your role is to show up differently make some good changes some impact you're there for a short period of time look at things differently Mm-hmm. That shift in perspective is so vital. So because every story has two sides. So when I broke up with my ex, I had a two-year-old son. I moved back home with my mom and dad because that was the best option for me at the time. And one side of me was devastated, you know, like I'm in my, my thirties, I'm living at home with my parents. I'm a single mom. This isn't the life I had wanted. You know, I'm working full time. I wanted to stay at home and raise my son, but no, I have to leave him and go to work. And I, everything I could complain about was there. And then when I stop and think about it, he's getting generational household. He's getting to be raised by not just his mom, but by his grandparents. They have so much love for him. It's incredible. They help out with the cooking. They help out with babysitting whenever I needed it. And I didn't have to drive anywhere. He was right there, you know, so I could easily flip it. You know, they helped me with rent and save a lot of money on that. And so there's so many ways now I can flip the story, but if I wanted to, when I'm feeling down, sure. Sometimes I still get down on that period of my life, but it's so easy to now turn around and see it from another side. And then another thing I want to mention about, you're talking about flipping perspectives on a a situation. And back to the story we create about ourselves, I was thinking of an example for myself is, I have never been a tech savvy person. I get very easily frustrated with computers and how to this and how do you do that? I don't know. And that was my story for decades and decades. And then now that I'm in a position where I'm an entrepreneur and I have to learn certain technical things, I have to overcome that story. I literally have to stop saying that and I have to take something that I never used to know how to do and I have to now learn it step by step and try it step by step until I've, I've done it. And now I can be proud of myself like, hey, look, I just learned how to create a reel and post it and edit a video and this and that and the other. And this is now 
not even really fitting me when I say out loud that like, I'm not really tech savvy. I'm like, well, I never used to be tech savvy, but I'm learning. I've actually learned a few things and I'm getting more and more comfortable with technology now. So the shifting of the story sometimes takes time, right? You get one little win, you celebrate it. And now you realize, well, I can't identify over here a hundred percent anymore because I at least have one example of where that's not true anymore. And then it builds from there. And then that snowball rolls down the hill and the momentum gains over time, right? Well, and again, super, super pivotal points that you're mentioning. Guys, it can be in any area of your life. It can be technology. It could be, oh, you know what? I always, I'm forgetful. Your story could be that you're forgetful. But what if you start to put your keys in the same spot? What if you make it easy on yourself? And that's one of the questions you can say as you're making changes is what would make this easier? Yes. And when you do find your keys right away, notice that, Hey, I didn't have to look for my keys this time. And wow, that's a win right there. However tiny it is, the more we celebrate that, the more those neural pathways make connections that it's actually a good thing now to take this road and always know where your keys are. That actually feels good in the body to find your keys right away. Amazing, right? Because you've celebrated that. And that is something that is missed when it comes to changing their story, when it comes to any kind of win, which is why my Facebook group is called Celebrate Everything. Nice. (laughs) Because first of all, we don't celebrate anything that we should be anymore in life. Many, 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 too many people have their head in the sand hoping that time will stand still and everything will go back to the way it was Mm. right in society as a whole they've either stayed at their same job they've gone without a paycheck like whatever then there's um some movers and some shakers that yeah they just can't wait they've got ants in their pants (laughs) they got to move on to what's next um and they've learned and they grew from the opportunity but what are like what I'm trying to say is you can no longer say that you're not tech swabby or maybe that's true. Maybe that's still true for you, but you can no longer say that you and technology don't mix. Maybe you're not tech swabby yet, mm-hmm. but you and technology do mix now. Mm-hmm. So walk us through where those changes, how those changes happened in terms of this story. Well, I remember one example where I was uh, screening a movie and I was having some friends come over and it was a big movie night. And it was, first of all, I have this large TV and it had to, the movie would would come in on a laptop from like uh, some program that we'd have to download from somewhere. And then I'd have to plug my laptop into the back of the television set. And for somebody that might be super easy peasy, but for me, I just assumed that there was going to be some guy showing up and doing all that for me. Okay. I was like, yeah, I could, I could bring up my place. Cause we have a big TV. Let's, I'll isn't, that why, isn't that why we got married in the first place? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we can, the man can do all the things our dads did. Right. Right. I'll host it, but you guys figure all that stuff yeah. out and I'll sit and enjoy the movie. Um, as it turns out, the guy who was supposed to do all the tech stuff didn't end up coming. And then there's people at my house and we're for a movie and I'm, panic. Like all of a sudden that story kicked in. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't figure this out. Technology. And I like, I'm almost in tears. So there was that moment of like panic of, I can't do this. And then one of my friends just like looked me in the eye and she very confidently said, Anna, you've got this, go figure it out. 
you've got this. And just having someone believe in me more than I believed in myself gave me permission to pause, calm down, take a deep breath, and then go figure it out. Like literally step-by-step, go into the program I'm supposed to download the movie. Okay, now I have to click something. Okay, let's click here, see what that, you know, step-by-step rather than looking at it as this for me, I often get caught up in the, the big picture and get overwhelmed with, whoa, I have to do all this, as opposed to just take the first step. And then I can't even tell you how empowered I felt when, when we figured it out. When I've been mostly, it was me. I figured it out. And then we all sat down to watch the movie. And my, the same friend was, was sure to make sure I knew what a pivotal moment this was in my life. She's like, you did this, Anna. You did all the technology piece that you never knew how to do before. And you did it. And I remember just feeling this sense of pride and this like sense of, wow, yeah, that was something. You know, even though for someone else who knows how to do it, they're probably laughing right now. Like, you're such a joke. You don't know how to plug in an well, HDMI cable. They're not listening cable. to this, I'm sure. I'm sure they're not <laughs> listening to this. Because, you know, why would they? No, right. I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you're listening to this and you're tech suave, I am totally just joking because it means that you're still interested in up-leveling and elevating your life. But you're learning from us that what might be hard for somebody could be easy for somebody else. And we still have to push ourselves to try. And yeah. there's a couple things, there's a couple takeaways from what you mentioned there. Your first reaction was, you can't do this. Yep. How many times is that our initial reaction to anything? Yeah, to give up before we even try because we just already made the story that I can't, I can't do this. This isn't for me. This isn't for me. We just want to wash our hands and walk away. We do this with a new relationship. We do this with a new environment. We do this with a new job. It's hard. The first week is hard. The first month is hard. We know this. We don't mm -hmm. do well in hard. Mm-hmm. Most of us are still in flight or fight mode from when we were younger. And we've got such unresolved issues that we can't push past them without support. Yes. Interesting. And that but was it's interesting. key piece. You're yes. probably going to support of that person who saw more in me than I was able to see in myself. Yes. Yeah. And we always have those people in our corners. We just, and mm -hmm. here's the thing. If you don't have those people in your corner and don't for a second assume that this is your partner, that this is your husband, that this is your girlfriend, that this is your mom or your dad, especially if you're an entrepreneur, don't at all think that these are your people to help pull you out or to help push you through a hard moment. That's not what their experience is. So this weekend I was restless. I was on a call. I was doing some training call. The first hour was good, but the next two hours sucked really, really bad. Like I was so mentally restless. I didn't know what to do. So I said to Tony, I'm like, let's do something. Like, what are we going to do? Cause we both have our own businesses. We both work full time or not full time, but we both work. We both have our businesses. We have the kids, we have the family, we have our household responsibilities and we have my aging parents. I don't think they're aging and my grandson. So we, we, we understand busy, we understand desire, we understand the commitment to one another, right? But he is, so he is not my support for everything. He knows about everything, but he's not my support for everything. He can't speak. So 
that's a lot of responsibility to give somebody else, right? And, and think as you're listening to this, I know Anna works with clients as well. I know she does a lot of conversations and consults to see if, if you're a fit for her. And then she helps you elevate and upgrade your life in her way. Okay. As do I in my way, completely separate personalities, completely separate businesses. The point I'm trying to make here, you need somebody in your corner. So back to Saturday, I was beyond restless. I was bored. I am the type of person, and you might be this person too, and you might not realize it. If I don't play as hard as I work, I cannot rest. I will putter around the house to find things to do. I need to play. I need that outlet. I need to have that social, which we haven't had in years. So I said to Tony, like I listed off about five different things, maybe 10 different things. And the very first one is let's go shopping. <laughs> and he's like, no. So then I went on to five or six other things. And he's like, how about you call your girlfriends? And I don't think they listen to this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and share it. Most of my girlfriends talk COVID. And I'm not comfortable with it, period. Um, I am all for an open conversation, like politics, religion, COVID, if there's mutual respect. Right? I don't care what we talk about if we can respectfully have a conversation around it. If you know my opinion is different than yours, I'm not going to go get unvaccinated so we don't have this conversation. I'm not going to go get vaccinated so we have this conversation. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not going to be putting myself in those shoes anymore. And I know there's certain girlfriends who I love dearly, but you can see how I'm at a bit of a crossroads. They're going to bring up COVID because they always do. They bring it up in different modalities, so I know they're going to bring it up. And they don't want to hear what your opinion is. They just want to shove their opinion down their throat. So he's like, call so-and-so. I'm like, they talk COVID. They talk COVID. They talk COVID. They talk COVID. He's like, okay. So it wasn't until like the next day that I realized I did have a bunch of other people in my life that don't talk COVID that I could have reached out to. Or maybe he said I was going to go for a visit. But let's go back to Saturday. So we kind of rolled out my friends. And then... Um, or they couldn't go anywhere because maybe they're not vaccinated because the majority of my friends aren't vaccinated. And again, I don't really care if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Just don't shove your opinion down my throat, period. I think that's pretty honest. If I'm telling you and not letting you guess, right? So, and I know with the war, with the war and with everything else going on that this would have come up. Again, it has in the past. I've spoken my voice. So I said to him, um, yeah, no, they're not available. Like, here's, here's why. And he's like, well, how about your best friend? I'm like, he's like, she doesn't talk COVID. I'm like, no, but she was over last week and we did vision boards and we kind of played like little kids and we had so much fun together. And he's like, well, call her. He's like, you know, see if she's available. And I'm like, okay. She didn't pick up. I spoke with her yesterday and he's like, Cindy, you got to take one for the team, man. <laughs> Anyways, Tony went shopping with me. We went for four hours. We went to the mall furthest from the house so I could go for a car ride. And then we went out for dinner. But he, I know he's not my source for everything. But I also know at the end of the day, in four years, I've never asked him to do that. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's just go shopping. Normally, guys don't like to browse. He doesn't like to browse. Period. But we can't expect one person to be our everything. There's so many different parts of us. There are different friends we're going to speak to. There are different coaches we're going to speak to. But don't be surprised with who shows up to encourage you the most. Be open. Yeah. 
It can come from anywhere. It can come from a complete it's, stranger that you talk to in a store. Yeah. And that's my whole point. It, you know, it didn't need to come from Tony. I could have gone out. Like I'm, I am looking forward to a girlfriend weekend this weekend, Friday night, we're going out and I'm not worried about the conversation because we're going out in public. Right. It's only going to get so heated in public or not at all. But the thing is I'm not at someone's house where I have to uncomfortably leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I brought this up and I know it's a sensitive subject, but I know this is, if I am feeling like this, how many other people are feeling like they don't have anybody to talk to about anything? Cause this might come up. Yeah. It is such a sensitive subject now. And now and you add the war family members too. Yep. Oh yeah. Some of my girlfriends are divided based on their family members are opposite. They very yeah. sad. I mean, we, it is very sad how the dividing has happened for sure. And whether you agree or disagree is kind of irrelevant. The point is, like, if you're pro or con the, the shot or whatever the story, the point is if you should be able to communicate kindly with people. Of course. There's no reason to be rude to anybody for any reason. Yeah. 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 And then find the people that encourage you and uplift you and be welcome as to where that's coming from. Tony, I'm sure he's the best shopper out there, but... He did it anyways. <laughs> no, so sweet of him. It was sweet. It was, you know what? It what he just knew. I was bummed out. I was bored and so bored. I don't know if you can relate to this, but so bored that it wouldn't matter what ideas came in. I couldn't do anything myself. I needed a distraction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So support can come when you're not looking for it. But in order to change your story, you need to work on it. What's your next takeaway? What's your biggest piece of advice for people listening to this? If you desire something different from your life, if you want things in your life to change, you're going to have to change things in your life. I heard a wise man named Kevin Trudeau say that once, and it really stuck with me because it's true. You it can't just... True the same thing over and over again and expect to get different results so the the first thing to do is take a step in that direction whatever that looks like for you find a book psycho cybernetics is a really good book for this the topic that we're talking about right now the stories that we make in our heads and how to rewrite those stories find a friend to talk to about it um start journaling yeah, and if that friend doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy at the end of the conversation, find don't another go back friend. To them. Yeah, but find you go back friend. to them for something else. Of but course, not for that of course. Topic. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I actually just met with a friend today that I used to work with. Uh, we all worked together for like 10, 14 years or something like that before um, a couple of years ago when we got laid off. And we just met again and had a wonderful, wonderful conversation and talk. And she's now doing all this mindset training. And we we're talking about the books that we'd read. And we had like all this stuff to talk about. And it was so refreshing because back in the day when I worked with her, I was reading these books, but not, none of my colleagues were. So I didn't have them specifically, but I had other people that were in the groups that I was, at, you know, like I, I am a big believer in getting a mentor like you said, getting someone to support you, whatever that looks like. You don't always have to pay for a mentor. You can find people in your life who can be understanding, but there is something to be said about putting some skin in the game and actually paying for someone who has a little bit more steps ahead of you. That's all. That's all. They don't have to have everything 
figured out. They just need to have a few steps ahead of you in whatever area it is that you're seeking help in. I'm a big believer in that because so the stories are like loops and they play over and over again. And unless someone's there to sort of like put the pause button on to catch us in our own dialogue, to, to point things out to us that we might, we don't even know necessarily we're doing. It's not that easy to catch yourself until it becomes a habit. In the beginning, it's very difficult. And that's where that mentor, that guide, that coach comes in is because they can, they can, they can see it. They're out here. They've got a bird's eye view, right? They've probably been there on, on certain topics. So it's a, it's a huge, once I started working with mentors, that's when the big needles started to move. That's when I noticed a lot more, like I would really devour these books and self-help books and I would read them and I would love them, but I wouldn't always take action. I wouldn't always implement what I was learning. I mean, I had every intention to, but the stories are strong, ladies and gentlemen, they pull us back. They, they have a hold on us. So we have to be stronger. We have to be stronger than the stories we've been telling ourselves. We have to trust in the new story we're creating. And we have to live it and breathe it and own it until it is the reality around well, us. And that topic of like the desire for change has to be strong. So strong because there are going to be days you don't feel like it. Absolutely. You know, there are going to be days where your back's back, you feel like you're backpedaling. But most people that reach out for help already have a reason. Yeah. You know, they don't want their medicine anymore. They don't want their life to look like this anymore. Those people have a lot more work to do because the people, if you can go, if you can get help before a major red light, you're going to be in a better place to have results quicker. Once mm -hmm. you've reached that threshold, you're climbing up, out out, 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 out before you can even do any work yeah. on what's next. And reverse engineering is what you and I do a lot of work on with people is we find out where they want to go, how badly they want it and why they want it to change. Because we help our clients break that cycle and cut the cord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you work with a, a mentor, coach, therapist, I, any of it? I do. You actually have two right now that I'm working with. Uh, two and a half. <laughs> I've just finished off with one and there's still a little bit going on there, but yes, I do. Yeah. And I, I do too. Um, I have a couple as well. Um, one is like a therapist who I, I see week or monthly. And um, then I have different people online that I work with as well. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this, you've heard this before. I'm sure every coach needs a coach. Every therapist needs a therapist. If you are working with somebody or if you are looking to work with somebody and they're not doing any of this work for themselves, they're going to be close-minded sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I can speak from experience. I was on a trajectory in my life where I was doing so much self-growth and working with so many people and studying so many courses. And then I took a break. And when I took a break, I didn't realize it at the time, but I started going back into my old habits. And it was one day I was just, I woke up and I was like, wait a minute. I'd stopped doing all these things that were helping me get all these good results. And then I realized what I was doing. And it's, it, it doesn't matter how much work we've done. We have to keep going. And it's so easy to stop. 
And when you stop, yeah, sure, stop for a little while, but just remember, you got to get back on it. You can't stop and think, oh, now I've gotten to this level. I'm good. I'm good. I can stop here and I'm good. I don't need any more growth. I don't need any more expansion. I don't need to change my story. I'm, I'm happy here. Well, you can, you can do that. But what, what I've noticed is that the circumstances in my life changed too, and they weren't for the better. So in order to keep seeing the growth and, and the good, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that's, that's the case, right? We don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. You know, we talk about our legacy when we talk about what's coming next and you had put it nicely and this is the same way. Um, I completely agree is you want to be working with somebody that you can really just grab their hand and pull them along as you're walking along. So you want that relationship to be close where you can say anything to that person. They're never going to make you feel bad ever, but they're going to make you dig deep and question your own whys, your own motivators, your own desires. Does it look bigger or are you thinking too small? But they're never going to make you feel that you're in the wrong place or you're making the wrong decision at all. And, and you're, you're hearing from us that we're always growing. We're always learning. So we take that information that we've learned and we share it with you. 100%. That's why we do what we do. We don't do it sub, we don't do it consciously. We subconsciously do that. But we're always growing. We're always learning. It's layered, right? Um, okay. So I can't believe, I think we've completely like <laughs> lost track of time. So a couple of quick questions before we summarize the call. The book you mentioned, Psycho Cybernetics. Yeah, I got Maxwell Maltz. Maxwell Maltz wrote it, I think, in the 60s. And now there's a updated version called The New Psycho-Cybernetics, which I highly, highly recommend for this conversation we're having today. Okay. So that's the first thing. Coffee cup. Can I see your coffee cup? I saw you drinking out of it. Oh, my. Yeah. It's, uh, it's skis <gasps> and a mountain. Nice. And then it's, it's, uh, it's a friend of mine bought it for me. It's from Tim Hortons. But I love it. Perfect. Supporting local. Right. Yeah. 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 Are you a skier? Like, does it make you want to ski? I yeah. am a skier. I was on the hills yesterday. It was Sunday, right? Yeah. I was on the hills yesterday. Ooh, I've not skied uh, downhill in years. We went, um, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit more chicken now because of my ankles. Um, we went cross country skiing a couple of weeks ago, like family day weekend, but the beginning yeah. part of the weekend. Yeah. And even that was a little bit, I mean, we're talking, I can't walk around the block with ice without being laid up. Like it's, my recovery is to the point where I'm normally doing really, really good, but I still need to be cautious. So I was cautious putting my feet in cross-country skis and it had been like 30 years. Oh, I want um, to try that. That looks like fun too. It I was fun, but I missed downhill for sure. Um, okay. So we talked a lot about mindset. We're not even going to touch on mindset for this. How about meals? If you could summarize your relationship with food and meals what's that like <laughs> how much time do we have <laughs> minutes uh i i am one who doesn't identify as any like i'm not a vegetarian i'm not a vegan i'm not this i'm not that i i don't i don't want to identify as any specific type of of person who eats a specific type of diet and the reason is is because that changes I have been those things, but then when my body, when I got, I was a vegetarian and I got pregnant and all I could think about was steak. So clearly my body needed something I wasn't giving it. So what I've learned over the years is I give my body what it needs, when it needs it, but I'm also very conscious 
I'm a nutritionist. I've studied all that stuff. Um, I know what's good for me. I know what's not. But I also know that deprivation doesn't work for me either because when I've tried to deprive myself for too long, I end up crashing and going in the opposite direction. So it's for me, food is a journey. It's been a journey of acceptance because I, I will eat that delicious chocolate cake knowing it's not good for me, but thoroughly enjoying it. And then I won't touch it again for a few months. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I will so give myself permission. Then? Sorry? Is that balance then? I would, I'd like to hope so. I'd like to think that I'm pretty balanced. And, and my body's really good at letting me know like that, hey, you've, got, you've gotten into too many unhealthy things lately. It's time to sort of get back in into gear here. So that's when I'll start juicing and then sm making smoothies and I'll start, you know, cleaning up my diet and then I'll do that for a long time. And then, and then I'll be like, okay, I feel like, you know, cheating, whatever that word means. I'll feel like having a few things that, you know, might be unhealthy. Right. And I'll, but I'll be okay with that. It's for me, it's been like this journey of love with myself and acceptance with, we have cravings, you know, and, and I know what's healthy and I know what's not but I still give myself permission from time to time. And I'm very intuitive. I'm very intuitive when it's time to detox. I know it's time to detox. You know, when I, when I've lost a little bit of weight, I know I can eat a few more bagels, you know, and croissants and, and then, but then when I've had enough, I'm like, okay, my pants are tight now. It's time to lay, you know, lay those off for a bit. So my journey with food has been up and down wavy all over the place, but I feel I'm in a really good space because I don't make definitions. I don't strictly cut anything out. If I'm trying not to eat a specific food and I'll get invited somewhere where they're serving it, I will politely eat what they're serving me, you know, for, because that to me is more important than being a hundred percent strict. Like I know for some people that works. I have some very people close in my life. They are the complete opposite of me. They, they, they go with something and they stick with it and they won't, they won't go off their path no matter what for like months on, on end, which is great because that's what works for them. So my advice to you, all your listeners is find what works for you because there, I studied nutrition and within my one, one course, like we had uh, two years and there was 14 different programs and different teachers. And one teacher was singing the praises of garlic, for instance, that's one example, telling us how amazing garlic is to eat for all these reasons. And then another course, another teacher would tell us, don't ever eat garlic because, and she had a whole other different set of reasons. So you'll find, you'll find things on the internet. You'll find books supporting veganism. You'll find books supporting protein and meat eating. You'll find all kinds of conflicting information. And that's what I found. And it was confusing. To me. And so the only thing that was consistent was me. I was the only consistent factor is I'm the one eating it. I'm the one digesting it. My body's the one assimilating it. So I need to start tuning into what does my body need in this moment? What can my body handle right now? What is my body asking for right now? How will I nourish it? How will I, how will I treat it well? You know, sometimes I abuse it. I still abuse it sometimes with diet, but more often than not now, I treat it kindly. I treat it with love. You know, that's my journey. In I love nutshell. hearing that. I, so many people need to hear that beautiful message, Anna. Thank you for sharing it because we're not taught how to treat our body and how to listen. And that stomach ache that you have after you've eaten fried foods, it's not meant to be. Yeah. So and I'm not saying it's an all or nothing, but when you eliminate that for a period of time and you have it every once in a while, your body will let you know if it's okay or if it's not okay. Oh, I loved what, 
And right, but no one's ever taught us that. Like, I don't know who. I'm, oh, I was speaking to somebody the other day. They're like, "Oh, I'm bloated all the time." I'm like, "Well, then you're eating the wrong foods. It's not natural to be bloated all the time, at all. You're eating a trigger for you." Yep. Um. All right. Meals. Movement. What does your movement look like besides skiing a little bit? I like physical activity. I'm not one who likes to, uh, I tried the whole personal trainer going to the gym. I, I, I like actually doing something fun. So I'm, I bike, I swim, I ski, like I do different sports. Um, and I dance. I love dancing. I'm a belly dancer by train, trade, train, training, whatever the term is. Um, but I do it for fun. I do it for fun. I, I teach online classes now and I just love whatever I feels good to me. So if it's a yoga class one day, if it's going for a hike another day, some days I do nothing. Like that's again, so my journey with food is similar to my journey with exercise. Sometimes I'm very active depending on the weather, depending on the season, depending on you know what's going on in my life, whether I have time to be active. And then again, my body sometimes if I'm working too hard, I'm sitting at a desk for like I've got a project, I'm, it's been a week, oh my God, I haven't even gone out for a walk yet. And then all of a sudden I realize, geez, now I need to you know, go get some sunshine. I need to, to move a little bit. I need to get up and stretch. So again, it's for me a very intuitive thing. Like I listen, like, okay, things are tight now. I think it's time to do some stretching. I think it's, you know, like I just very listen as much as I can. I listen to what my body needs and do my best to give it what it needs. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, I know for our listeners, they're looking for a perfect solution for a lot of things. And that's not the takeaway I intend with these heart to hearts. You know, the takeaway for these is, pick and choose who says what and apply it to your life and see what works for you. Yeah. Um, and let us know. We both want to hear what you, what your biggest takeaways were and what you've applied and, and what worked for you because we're all so different. Um, the final question I'm going to ask you today is how has your relationship with money changed over the years? Oh, wow. That honestly, Sonia is probably still my most difficult one that I've been working with lately. Like I've food, you know, movement, body, love, self-image, confidence, all that stuff. I feel like I've got a really good handle on money. I'm still in relationship, like conversation with my money. So my money relationship has changed. I used to be a big spender, um, like overspend and rack up credit card debt. I was a big shopper. Like I just loved shopping for me that filled a void. If I was feeling down or depressed, I would go to the mall and buy like a shiny. You liked my story. <laughs> yeah, totally. Get a new, a new top or whatever, you know. For me, that's what filled a void for me. And when I realized that I was doing that, I, I quit cold turkey for a while. I was put on a challenge by one of my mentors to like go on a spending detox. And that was interesting because I knew it was like a short time frame. So I was able to do that. And I've been in and out of debt over the years. I feel that now I'm at a, my most healthiest with my money story. And I feel that it's, it's an abundance story now because I don't necessarily relate it to how abundant I am, but I have so, um, sorry to how much money I have coming in, but my time and what I do with it is even more valuable to me now. So if I have the free time to be able to do the things I love, such as horseback riding or mountain biking or whatever I want to do, like I spent the day skiing yesterday and I've done that in the middle of the week. Right. So that's why I love it was a bit of a transition for me to go from being uh, in the workforce, working corporate to being an entrepreneur. And that's when my money stuff came up in a big way. Cause now it's not that I just go show up, do what I got to do and get paid for it. Now I have to 
organize my own time. I have to find my own clients. I have to make my own money, you know, like it's all on me, the marketing, the everything. Right. So that was, that was, that was two years ago and I'm still working through that journey, but that was a big journey for me. But now I realize, you know what? I have a beautiful wardrobe. I have, I live in a beautiful home. I have everything I could desire. Like I actually, I feel like this struggle for more is not where it's at. I feel like just being grateful for what we already have. Like, of course we need to pay the bills. Of course we need to buy groceries. Of course we need to put gas in the car. I get that. But I'm also at a space where I'm happy with what I have and simple and less is more to me. It's the more, I'm looking more now for quality of relationships, for how my time is spent and the money that I do get is sufficient. And I, I feel like I trust that there's always going to be enough money coming from somewhere. Like it just, it just happens this morning. I got a purchase out of nowhere. I got an email like, Hey, you just got an order. I was like, yes, thank you. It's the gratitude I feel for when it does come my way. That's what keeps it flowing. That's been my experience. So great um, again, well, and it's a great answer because something shifts and, and I'm not sure if it's an age thing or if it's where we're at on our entrepreneur journey. Um, but something does shift and the quality versus quantity is huge if it's the right thing. But when we transition, um, we're brand, we're walking brands, right? You and I are walking brands. So what we wear represents how we feel on the inside. And it means whether or not we're approachable to other people. Um, because when we're either on here or we're some in public or at a restaurant, we are a walking brand. So I completely agree with what you're saying about the shifts. And when it comes to buying things, it's fewer, but better that you can mix and match if it's clothes or it's like, yeah, I want to spend this. Like it may, you think differently with it, with it. Don't you? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like, is as a, why am I for this? Am I reaching for yes. this? Cause I really need this or is it cause I feel like this is going to give me something I'm not giving myself. Right. Right. Yes. Well, before we sign off today, cause it's been a bit, I know we didn't start right up for it, but it's about an hour and I would say 15, 20 minutes or so. One of the longer ones I've had, which is amazing. Cause for those that are, this is your first one. I don't give any probes to the conversation. I let them know that we need a coffee cup and that we're going to be talking about four topics, meals, movement, mindset, and your relationship with money. The rest is on the fly. So, Anna, thank you so much for showing up today and for letting our listeners know a lot more about you. It's been an honor and a great pleasure of mine. Thank you, Sonia, so much. Well, it's been great. Not only do I get to have a deeper connection with you, but I know our audience does too. So the heart to hearts, and I know you and I will chat for just a second afterwards, but heart to hearts means they are up on my YouTube channel. Um, and then they're also the, um, audio version is going to be on your favorite listening channel, probably by the end of the night for those that are catching this. So, um, thanks again for listening guys. And if you're catching the video, we'd love to hear your favorite parts. Go ahead though, like comment and subscribe. So we will help more readers and listeners be able to, um, get this information that we're get putting out there for them to share. Thanks everybody.
stay on for one second, I, Anna, if you don't mind. Okay. 